Welcome to Dog Training Disrupted by Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Dog cognition is trending right now. Studies on cognitive abilities are all the rage. As a member of the American Behavior Society and Comparative Cognition Society, I am quite familiar with these studies. Many training techniques reach the cognitive side of the brain, such as scent detection and agility and even basic puppy training, and of course, canine enrichment. Many of my studies are intentional, some are unintentional, and they've been always in real-life situations. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you one of my intentional studies that involves street dogs in Costa Rica and their ability to decipher street lights. I then talk about street dogs in Mexico and share the story on how I got one of my Mexican rescues. On a side note, I am going back to one episode per month, and that will be the last Tuesday of each month, as it has always been. I tried bi-weekly for one month, and it's just too time-consuming. I am choosing to focus my energies on collaborating with industry experts to share upper dogology on a larger scale through courses. And I know many people, especially trainers, are frustrated because there's no way of learning this methodology as a whole. Every day, I receive emails from dog owners who are struggling with their adolescent or adopted dog, and we do work together successfully, but they've tried a number of certified reputable trainers, and that is exhausting and tiring for them. And I always wonder how many people do just give up on their dog once that happens. And again, the problem is not the trainer. It's the method. And this isn't because positive reinforcement training, non-aversive forms of balance training or counter-conditioning or classical conditioning are ineffective. They are effective, but they are only one method. They're all under the conditioning umbrella, and these are often not effective with these type of dogs. I know trainers are looking for a method specific to addressing aggression and anxiety. So it's frustrating for me as well when influential organizations, businesses, groups, or people simply regurgitate the same advice when they know that there's a need for a solution that works with these dogs. I continue to do what I do because of the support I receive from my clients and veterinarians and rescue organizations. I'm also going to revamp the first four episodes of this podcast to get into that a little bit deeper. And the second edition of my book is in the final stages. I'm also on a lot of podcasts and shows, radio shows, and I'm meeting a lot of interesting and influential people, and I'm making an impact in the animal advocacy sector, which really makes me really, really happy because that's my main goal, to keep dogs out of shelters and off the euthanasia table. I hope you enjoy this episode. It has some pretty interesting info on how dogs think and learn and how this translates into integrating dogs into our urban lives. I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. I went to Costa Rica three times to research and volunteer. I cannot say everything about these experiences was positive. Uh, I seem to have this innate ability to connect with rescue organizations when they are going through turbulence and are in a shift. What I've learned is that this is very common with rescue organizations. Over 34 years of working with them, it's certainly not not uncommon among them at different stages. And that's due to people having different viewpoints on how they should be run. And it's just simply human nature. 
Unfortunately, this means I did not get out uh, as much as I would like from the experiences, but I did learn how the rescue organizations are different from each other and how they are remarkably similar in the challenges they face. I've worked with hundreds in different countries and behavioral issues is a constant challenge on how to work with those dogs, what to do with those dogs, making the decisions. I talked in a previous episode about how street dogs in Central America are similar in behavior to the dogs from the reserves in Northern Canada, simply because of the survival skills uh, requiring their cognitive skills and how they use those and apply those. And that is why cognitive behavioral therapy is so effective when integrating them. These dogs use their cognitive skills in many ways. A common one is just avoiding getting hit by a car. So in Costa Rica, I studied dogs at a particular intersection, a very busy traffic intersection. It was actually a three-way for vehicles, and the fourth way was for pedestrian only and cyclists as it led into a churchyard. So there were four lanes on each of the three uh, vehicle sides, so two in each direction, and then the lights were horizontal as opposed to vertical. It was quite a busy area. Jaywalking was challenging, and you just sort of didn't do it there. Uh, it was interesting to see how many of the dogs waited at the lights with the pedestrians. When the light was red, I noticed the dogs commonly watched the cars, whether they were moving or not. But even if there was a break in traffic when the light was green in, their, in the other direction, they didn't attempt to cross the street. And when the cars stopped crossing at the intersection, they often stood from their sitting position. And I noticed some of them looked to the feet of the pedestrians that were near them. And the dogs moved when the pedestrians' feet moved. Others looked to the lights and when the light changed. And this was particularly interesting because it's hard to know whether they were judging the color or by the placement of the lights of the three round circles, especially with it being horizontal and vertical and having both of those options. So did they learn that the people crossed when the circle was, for example, the one on the far left when it lit, and then they continued to do that on their own? Often they would cross when there were no people there. And was that because the cars stopped? Occasionally in the early morning, there would be no pedestrians and the traffic was quieter. So it seemed like they were more likely to watch the traffic or the lights. So how does this transfer to real life with dogs? Well, they are using their cognitive skills to make decisions, and apparently they know the outcome of the wrong decision. They see dogs get run over, and they know cars are big and fast. They know people move forward when they walk, and they know that they're not getting hit by cars, and they know that cars are stopping when people walk. They know the time of day, they watch where people look, and they decipher when the lights change, people move or do not move. They respond to triggers in ways that they will know will achieve their goal, ones that keep them safe and alive. So when we bring dogs into our urban world, it's important to remember they are not new to life. They are simply new to us and to our life. But they have the ability to read us. They read and make decisions based on our actions. Cognitive behavioral therapy recognizes these skills and harnesses them to change the perception. So what those dogs are watching is really important. And are they taking cues from us that we're wanting or not wanting? And I'll go back to the common one that I've used. If your dog always moves when your feet move, it makes it difficult to walk up to your door and open your door and get your pizza. Or even going between parked cars if you want to pop your head out and see if cars are coming. 
So you want to make sure that even though these cues or triggers that cause an action may seem positive, oh yeah, like sitting at a street corner, sit, stay for a basic puppy, and then they go when the feet move. This can be a problem. I've talked about this in other episodes. Cognitive behavioral therapy uses the trigger that each individual dog decides upon to create teaching opportunities to establish transferable skills. And this is really important. Each individual dog responds to different triggers. These are not necessarily negative responses or negative triggers. They could be positive as what I was just talking about, such as the streetlight changing, people's feet moving, cars stopping. But we can use those triggers to incorporate exercises and commands that override the trigger and then use that at increasingly challenging situations or when we're trying to change a dog's behavior or perceived need to do a behavior. So I've learned how to do this with dogs and I've learned that that's why it works. And what, what's happening when we're doing this is we're harnessing those cognitive skills. There's lots of other times in Costa Rica, there's a dog I brought back, Cha-Cha, she's was just absolutely uh, frozen stiff. She's on my website. I'll probably do a talk on her at some point. Uh, she's, there's there's quite, there's the, the one I currently have now is also from Costa Rica. I've also brought a lot of dogs back from Mexico and worked with the Mexican dogs. And so I just want to talk about Domingo. Oh, silly, silly Domingo. He's one of my transports from the streets of Mexico to Canada. So a friend of mine and I were volunteering at a spay and neuter clinic in Tulum in November of 2017. And then in February 2018, we decided to go back to that same condo that we stayed in because where we live in Regina, Saskatchewan was hitting minus 50 Celsius. And to put that into perspective, that's seven minute frostbite warning to exposed area. So we booked a last minute flight out of Regina and down to Mexico. So that was fortunate. While we were there, of course, I was visiting shelters and working with the rescue dogs and I have connections with rescuers there and I just love hooking up with them. It's great. But we also had some relaxed time and went out and had a few drinks one afternoon and decided to walk back to the condo because we had had a few too many drinks. But we needed to find the car to take a picture of where it is so we could remember where it was for the next day. And that proved challenging. We didn't really expect that to happen. We sort of parked the car and got out, not really expecting to have quite the day that we did, but hey, that's all right. <laughs> so uh, that proved challenging and we spent quite a bit of time Walking around, we had my dog, that uh, the one from uh, Costa Rica that I got the year before. What happened was this medium-sized, rather emaciated dog started following us. And over an hour later, he was still following us. And he had made himself part of our clan. So we were walking pretty much in circles. And at one point, I looked down to him. We had just crossed the street. And then I looked back and I saw these two dogs standing in the middle of the street. One of them looked like a larger version of this dog, and older, for sure. And I'll never forget that look that dog gave me. Uh, you know, he or she just looked to this dog beside me, and then looked to me, and then back to that dog. And I figured, well, it's probably his mom or maybe his dad. I didn't know. But I knew that both these dogs were street smart, and they, they could make it on the street. And that they knew that this little guy couldn't. So we took him with us. And the next day, took him to the vet, who said he had really only a few days to live. So long story short, uh, we were flying back in two days and, and couldn't take him because he was too sick. So our friends who own a store on Main Street in Tulum, it's called Mexico, 
It's a great store. If you go there, they support rescue organizations and they support rescues. They're amazing people and they have great stuff in their store. It's, it's just a wonderful store. They had at the time multiple rescue dogs. They had a young child. She was probably two or three and they were nine months pregnant with their second child. They lived in the home behind their store. They still said yes to taking Domingo, who I actually had called Hatch at that time. I couldn't believe it. It was, they, they, they trusted me to come back for him and to pay for all his expenses. And they offered to take him back to the vet for all his care and neutering, et cetera. It was just amazing for them to do this. So we came back to Canada for, I believe it was a couple months. And in that time he was spayed and got healthy and got all his shots and as well put out notifications in case he was owned by someone of which the vet confirmed he wasn't. So back we flew to get him. And that turned into yet another trip with other dogs. <laughs> it's never ending. But now he's living in Saskatchewan. Domingo is interesting because he is really not street smart. And those two dogs knew that. He's aware of people. He assesses people. He assesses situations. Uh, and he takes to both conditioning methods, positive reinforcement training, and also cognitive behavioral therapy, depending on the situations. But I'll never forget those two dogs on the street. They knew instinctively that Domingo was not going to make it. And they trusted me to let him go with me. It was a moment I'll, I'll never forget. Never underestimate dogs from the street. Watch and learn from your rescue or adopted dog. Do not get caught up in teaching them. They're not puppies. That's what conditioning methods do. They're structured to teach. That's what they do. And they do it well. But with rescued dogs or adopted dogs, it's a two-way relationship and communication. Use your opportunities. Use your times where they're watching you and they're reading you and they're looking for your signals, so to speak, to bond and communicate with them. Solidify your language. Get them to want to listen to you and to find value in listening to you because you're understanding what they're thinking. You're recognizing where their cognitive thought patterns are going what they feel they need to do. And your direction is allowing them to do that. Be creative. Learn from your dog. Thanks again to our musicians. In this episode, we have Open Strum and Jeff Murdoch Band. Please follow Upward Dogology on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on LinkedIn, I'm Billy Groom. Please share these episodes. And as always, please leave a rating and review. I'm very excited to bring you the release of the second edition of my book. I'll keep you posted on that progress. And I am on lots of other podcasts and shows where I'm making guest appearances. The links for those are on my website and in my Instagram link tree. You can email me at billy at upwarddogology.com if you have any questions. And I always appreciate your support. Enjoy your learning journey. Mm -hmm.